Hi, everyone. I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Zach Mack. And this is So You Want to Run a Restaurant, powered by Back of House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. Well, we've got two guests on the show with us today, joining us from Turks and Caicos, which I think is the most international destination we've had on the show yet. Definitely. It's a double and it's international. It's like a very, very nice location. I'm, I'm very excited to be talking to you guys, these guys about what they're doing as well. It's a really yes. interesting program. Yeah. Yes. So it is Chef Edwin and Robin Gents of Seven Stars Resorts in Turks and Caicos. So they are doing something so cool. They're really focused on sustainability and they are doing their own farming at the resort, including container farming. So very, very sustainable focus, very like farm to table focus. I love, I love what they're, what they're up to at this resort. It is, especially given the volume and the, the, the specific or the very specific types of limitations you have running a restaurant at a mm-hmm. place like Turks and Caicos. This is, you know, relatively groundbreaking. And, and the fact that they're, they're doing something so, uh, so pioneering and so interesting is really great. I'm really excited to talk to them about how this is being implemented and all the potential ramifications you could have, you know, for their yes. business specifically, but also industry at large. This is not something that's just limited to them. It's just, it's, it's pretty cool because they're kind of leading the way with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's also, from what I understand, hurricane proof, which is so important because they're kind of in Hurricane Alley when you look at yeah. Turks and Caicos and the location of the resort. So super interesting. Let's welcome them onto the show. Our sponsor, Touch Bistro, currently powers more than 16,000 restaurants with its all-in-one POS and restaurant management platform. From food trucks to fine dining, Touch Bistro offers everything you need to run a successful restaurant. Go to touchbistro.com to find out how Touch Bistro can solve your restaurant technology challenges today. We are so excited to have a pair of guests on the show with us today, Edwin Galliardo and Robin Jens of Seven Star Resort in Turks and Caicos. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. It's been a pleasure being part of your podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're absolutely thrilled to have you guys. I'm very, very lucky because I got to meet you guys at a fantastic dinner a couple of months ago in the city, and I got to try a bunch of your your new menu firsthand, and I, I was really impressed. So. I'm just glad now that we get to meet again over a podcast. And, um, you know, I've, I've learned a little bit about you guys, but we always start these podcast discussions off with a quick question about how both of you kind of came to be in the industry, uh, in the food and beverage and hospitality, and even along the lines of how you guys ended up in a perfect, beautiful destination like Turks and Caicos. Yeah. Uh, I just was wondering how, how either of you, how both of you guys ended up doing uh, what you're doing. Well, I, um, that's a very long journey for me. I've been in the industry now for almost uh, 22 years or 25 years. And I started my journey on South Africa. That's where everything started. Uh, being ambitious, I traveled around Europe as well. And then uh, get the opportunity to come to Turks and Caicos and open one of the uh, resort here. And then I moved to Seven Stars. That was 2006. And then from there, we get uh, to evolve as well. And I think during that, that years, it's, it's made us a little bit more different uh, in, terms to our, uh, uh, in terms to the industry here. It, uh, it brings Seven Stars to be one of the best Seven Stars resort in the world as well. So 
again it's something that uh, make us unique as well is i think it's it's the uh it's the uh being openness to new ideas and um looking forward to what we are trying to do now to be a part of the sustainability ecotourism project and of course uh i think that's where we end up having this a uh, very unique and uh different uh uh different aspect of of moving to um uh greenery or moving to uh, as i said uh to a more sustainability aspect in the industry and what about you robin too i what what's your background how did you end up working on this project as well right so i've lived in the caribbean for almost 20 years at this point so i spent quite a bit of time um in curacao dutch caribbean i grew up there as a kid went back there again after i um finished college um, I did my formal education back in the Netherlands, where I'm originally from, um, but very soon found out that I didn't want to stay there. And, you know, the Caribbean <laughs> was really, very different weather. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Caribbean was sort of drawing me in for various reasons, weather certainly being a big one of it, uh, but also just the, um, just the general lifestyle, to be very honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like we're all sitting um, on the beach with a beer here. We're actually working quite hard down here too. <laughs> but the um, the biggest benefit I find is that, you know, lack of commutes and the minute you're done working, you're immediately in a beautiful destination. So that's really agreed with me. I've, I've, um, as I mentioned, I've, I've been in the Caribbean for about 20 years. Um, but um, after my time in Curacao, I moved over to uh, Turks and Caicos. It was a bit of a, um, yeah, a new chapter for me, if you will. The Turks and Caicos is just very tiny uh, island destination. It was kind of moving from sort of a small city to a very small town uh, <laughs> type of comparison. Um, but what I really love about Turks is um, it's got a very diverse dining scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I arrived to the island, so just over nine years ago, it was still very much up and coming uh, and growing. And the word was getting out there. Uh, but now we're very much an established destination, uh, firmly placed in sort of the luxury segment. Um, and the cool thing is that there's a lot of restaurants and hotels which are all mostly independents. So we're not like your typical Caribbean island where there's all the, you know, mainstream brands. Um, there's some brands joining the island now, uh, which is also a good development. But what I really like about Turks and Caicos with this um, sort of independent uh, mindset and the way it was built very independently is that there's a lot of room for um, sort of creativity and for us to really put something of our, ourselves into um, the company as well. So here at Seven Stars, we've been super uh, lucky with our ownership because they're just incredibly um, supportive. I won't talk too much about that, <laughs> but um, they... You know they've really allowed us to um, to to take on these passion projects. True. And I would say that the farm is definitely one of those as well. Well, I want to hear more about the farm, and I want to hear more about just in general Seven Stars and the resort because I, you talked a little bit about the sustainability practices, and I want to hear more about that in the container farm that you all are running, which I think is so unique to a resort like this. Right. So I can give you a bit of a rundown about the resort. So we have about 178 um, rooms. Uh, they're all gorgeous, all, all beautiful ocean views and, you know, everything you expect from a, <laughs> yeah. a suite in the Caribbean, of course. Yeah. Um, so this size makes us, I would say, sort of like a, a right in the middle. We're not, certainly not the largest hotel, but we're also not the smallest sort of boutique property. 
Um, when I first joined here, we had two restaurants, a casual dining and a fine dining. And then since then, we've also opened a sports bar, um, which is again, a bit more casual. And then uh, the farm is about to add on. So um, our, obviously our dining product and our food and beverage has really evolved over the past few years that, um, that we've both been here. Um, but as a resort in general, I would say uh, we cater a lot to families. We're super family friendly. Uh, we get a lot of honeymooners, a lot of baby mooners. It really depends on the time of year as well, who we tend yeah. to get. Um, you know, spring break, obviously, we get a lot of um, kids here as well uh, with their parents, sometimes without. Um, so it's, it's pretty diverse in that regard. Uh, and I would say, you know, if you come to Turks, the main attraction, of course, is the beach and the water. Yeah. So, you know, anytime you get, get to go out on the boat, on, on the water, you're going to have a fantastic day. You can do some great um, sailing, kayaking, SUP. Um, you can do some deep sea fishing, uh, great diving, of course. Uh, no shore diving, so you usually have to take a short boat ride down to the reef. Yep. Um, but anything water sports, you're going to have a fantastic time. Uh, and same if you're you know, just into the beach and just relaxing, great spot for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the afternoons and evenings, there's actually a lot of opportunities for sort of exploring and trying out the different food and beverage options the islands has to uh, offer. And it's very diverse from your, you know, Italian uh, restaurants, French, um, international, uh, pretty varied. Not much uh, fast food options. Mm-hmm. So same as I mentioned with earlier with the hotels, we don't have a lot of brands here. Mm-hmm. So we don't have your McDonald's or your Checkers or your, <laughs> you know, your other brands you might be looking for. No Checkers. Um, but we have lots of other, other good stuff. So we have a lot of independents that kind of jump into that gap. And typically do it better, um, yeah. if you ask yeah. me. Yeah. Also, I just want to tell our listeners, you should open up the their website and go to the gallery while you listen to this episode. You can really be in it. I mean, I'm looking at the photos online and I'm like, ah, give me the beach. It's really, it <laughs> yeah. really so is beautiful. transportive. It really is transportive. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful property. And and also it's standing out because it is. I, I have been told by many people who've been, I, I'm not lucky enough to have been down there yet, but. It is yeah. really seen as like a cult, like a culinary gem of the Caribbean. Um, but, but that's also like, so part of the reason why, like what your story stands out so much to me is because it can be difficult to operate a restaurant down there sustainably just based on, on access to resources. And you guys are now launching the, this really, really incredible, what I think is really, really incredible, uh, a sustainability uh, focused initiative with a container farm. And I was really, I was wondering if there's anything you guys, I, I would love to hear more about it. Maybe give a quick rundown for the audience because they don't know anything about it. But how is this going to change the way that you guys run the restaurant that you guys have now? Yeah. Or the restaurants, I should uh, say. I would, love to, I would love to give you a little bit more inspiration on where we have started. So yeah, basically right. during the pandemic, uh, there is, we have so much, you have so much time to to use. So that's where I started uh, doing the traditional farming, which is I started to do uh, on the rooftop garden on, on the top, on the roof of seven restaurants as well. Oh, that space cool. is being, it's, it's not being utilized before. And now uh, we already made some adjustment with regards to creating our own planters, uh, mixing our own soil, doing our own composting, and of course, uh, as you can see, also everything that has been imported to the Turks and Caicos will always end up in the landfill. 
but I use some of those styro boxes to be a sort of planting materials or to be my planters or a box to add a little bit more of, of growing pods or something that it could be usable. And I think that's where all the inspiration started. And right now, uh, all my cherry tomatoes is being planted in a styro box. Mm. Oh, wow. So it, it's, it's, it's somehow that I'm still utilizing all the boxes that comes from internationally. So at least they don't end up in the landfill as well. Mm-hmm. And from there, I, I think that this is where, this is where we started uh, uh, giving more inspiration to, to farming, where we started growing a lot of ingredients such as we, we grow our own herbs, we grow our own peppers, we grow our own sweet potatoes as well, and we grow our own curry leaf as well. That Normally, we use them for the curry paste. I, I think that's, uh, that's where to go in, in terms to keeping it sustainable. But then again, we are in the Caribbean, so we need to consider also weather. We need to also consider hurricanes. So those are my challenges. And I think uh, from there... Uh, Robin and I get the inspiration to look for another option where we can upscale it a little bit more better, where this freight farm came in as well. Right. So you guys, the, it was really the impetus that you're dealing with, obviously limited climate in terms of what you can grow, mm-hmm. but is that what brought you guys to consider these shipping container farms? Yeah, I think the main thing for us and what Edwin was saying, I mean, we're an island destination, so we rely Pretty much, I would say 95% of our goods are imported. Um, when you look at our, our food and, and beverage that we use, obviously, as a, as a resort, um, it's probably actually closer to almost 100%. The, the main thing we can source locally is seafood, uh, which is good. You know, we get a lot of our spiny lobster, our conch, uh, some of our fish. And Chef's been really successful in working with the fishermen to say, you know, just just bring me your whole catch, and I'll tell you what I want to buy. Yeah. Because um, one of the tricky things here is that fisherman goes out, he catches a certain thing um, in a certain quantity, but we have a menu to write, right? So if exactly. you want to have snapper on your menu, 365 days a year, yeah. that can be tricky with a fisherman who may or may not get, go out. The weather might be bad, or he might not feel like going out, whatever the reason may be. Um, but we've been quite successful in having a good mix between what we decide to still import, which of course is a reality, but also the things that we can purchase locally. Um, now from there, we started looking at other products that we wanted to purchase locally. Uh, we were able to get a little bit of uh, produce uh, locally, but very, very limited. Um, and the main reason for that, because hydrophonics is already in the islands, but the problem is that every time a hurricane comes around, because these are outdoor hydrophonics with like the, the tunnel farms and right. you know, some of that or um, in some, some buildings as well, I think. But typically they just get wiped out whenever a major hurricane comes by. Um, where we are located, we're very much you know, in sort of the run-up that most hurricanes do towards um, Florida. Mm, yeah, um, that's right. So every three to four years, you're going to oh. get a decent-sized hurricane. Mm. And it seems to be increasing now, uh, of course, with the way things are going. Uh, yeah. So it's just a reality. Um, so that's really when we started thinking. I, I believe it was our CEO, who actually, um, uh, Ken Patterson, who, who kind of put the idea of this containerized hydrophonical or hydrophonic farm on our um, sort of on our um, on our agenda mm-hmm. uh, and we started looking into it and we're like well this is great um, because the other um, aspect that we were slightly concerned about is that you know he's a chef 
I'm in food and beverage. We know restaurants. We know, you know, costing all of that. We're not farmers. We're not farmers. <laughs> right. right? We're, 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 yeah, very we're different doing, jobs. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, very different. There's some overlap, but not that much. So we were quite conscious that if we wanted to, if we wanted to scale this up from what I respectfully yeah. say was a hobby garden, which yeah. is what we were doing, um, to something more a larger scale, so that we could supply our restaurants. Uh, with significant amount of produce, consistently high quality, um, you know, good looking produce, then it needs to be something that's relatively plug, or plug and play. So when we really started researching freight farms uh, in particular, which is the system that we ended up with, because I know there's a lot of other companies out there that do similar concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we really liked about freight farms is really the way it was set up with their support and with the systems integration. So literally, I mean, we can you know pull up an app on our phone and see exactly how our farm is looking. It will tell us temperature, water temperature, uh, nutrients, you know, the, the state of the plants, little screenshots or, or um, screen graphs yeah. of the plant itself, uh, where we are on the on the cycle in terms of watering and lighting. Uh, and you can change everything on the fly as well. So, and in addition to that, having a, a support team, which is also fed, by the way, by um, by the data behind all of these farms that are being sold internationally, right? Wow. Yeah. So these farms are really in like 50 plus countries, I believe. It's um, All the details is on their website. But um, what they do is all that data does get funneled back to headquarters as well. So they use all of this to ensure that these farms basically work at their most efficient um, capacity. Uh, and they're constantly like changing the recipes. So... Literally, when we're you know planting a new variety, we'll we'll start them in the nursery from seed. That's about three to four weeks. Then they go into the vertical panels for uh, further growth. And all you do is you turn on the recipe. You turn on a recipe for lettuce, or if you're doing herbs, or you know there's a variety of recipes that then uh, specifically tailor the nutrient needs, the um, air temperature, the water temperature, the um, uh, pH levels of the water, you know, it goes into a lot of detail. Wow. But while all that sounds really complicated, it's made really easy because it's yeah. literally just through the app and with very simple instructions. So that's truly what we loved yeah. and love about the system mm-hmm. uh, that it's made very easy. There is a learning curve for sure, don't get me wrong. Uh, and the majority of that is, um, you know, when you do something wrong and then figuring out what you did wrong and correcting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's simplified. Like the technology is pretty that. simplified. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And I hear that you're producing a ton of this too. I, did I read like six tons a year or something like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So um, we're, we're closing in on the first year of operation. And yeah. we think that our our first year is also not even representative of what we can do with this system because in the yeah. start we were you know trialing a lot of different things so now we're really starting to focus on um like four to five main crops and really efficiently turning this over but chef yeah. you can you can speak so more ba- about that. Uh, so basically what uh, we are now focusing are the items that we uh we are planning to put onto the restaurant as well so i grow uh, iceberg butterhead lettuce romaine which is the two kinds of romaine that I grow, which is Monte Carlo, and one of them is the chicharita. Chicharita is a little bit more on harder part or, or more stronger lettuce, that once, once you apply a little heat in it, it will change the flavor, which is very amazing. 
and uh, I think that will be part of our main uh, star on the menu as well. I'm sure uh, Zach already tasted that one yes. already. Yeah, I think that I was did. a teacher I remember. in the yes. I used in New York as well. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. So uh, other other things that we grow as well is the microgreens, which is really help us to elevate our uh, our dining plates mm -hmm. before the plates go out to the customer. We added an extra flavor on top of the plate and. That really gives an, a, a different uh, flavor profile on each every single dish as well. Yeah, and of course uh, there are some surplus as well that uh, we we grow from the nursery, and the rest of the items will go to our traditional farming as well. That uh, it helps us to be a little bit more on the part of being a sustainable as well. But there are so many things that uh, it needs to be considered, like um, how do you wanna keep the rooftop uh, out from flies, out from extra mm -hmm. uh uninvited visitors as well so <laughs> those are the things that we also consider yeah and of course uh, our cherry tomatoes are being grown into the rooftop as i mentioned earlier as well so basically most of the most of the green leafy vegetables and herbs sorry i forgot to mention the herbs as well i grow them from the uh from the container farm wow so does most of this go to the guests or are you are you also sharing this with other resorts or is it really just for everybody that works there and the customers at the resort? It goes directly to our three restaurants right now. Okay. So most of the items that we harvested goes straight to production where it goes to the terrace, it goes to the deck and it goes to seven and it goes to breakfast as well. And sometimes, if there's a little bit of surplus, it goes to our staff canteen or staff cafeteria. So everybody has has a bit of taste of what we what we grow. And of course, it's uh, as I mentioned, it it is very different from the lettuces that we bought from the uh, grocery or from international suppliers. And I imagine too, this must be something like on the cost of things as well, because I imagine one of the hardest elements of, of, ba of balancing a budget for a restaurant in the Caribbean has to be as sensitive products like leafy greens, which have like a, a short shelf life as it is, uh, that that's probably like, how has this affected your, your bottom line? Is this something that you guys are going to see over time kind of like help you save some money on top of being sustainable? Uh, right now, some, somehow we save a lot, uh, some, some part we save, but because uh, uh, it's not really a full operation yet, so because we're still in the trial where only one panel or three panels is dedicated to one restaurant, but it's again, running one of one restaurant, it requires at least a full panel. That means a 42 planters, but I cannot sustain it from now. So yeah. again, hope, yeah. hoping that in the next two years or two years or one year ahead of us, that we, we can see how are we going to uh, see or forecast our savings as well. Yeah. What has the response been from your guests? I would imagine that given so many people are focused on organic, local, sustainable practices, and a lot of these farm like farm to table restaurants. So I would imagine that they like it, but do you, do you advertise it? Do they know about it? Talk to us about that. Normally, uh, again, in the menu, we don't advertise it that it's from our hydroponic farm. But once they started to taste and savor it, people are starting to talk and ask yeah. why your lettuce is different. And this is where it coming uh, uh, us to build a story that it is homegrown. It is grown to our own farm on the property. And of course, uh, 
it's it's a matter of uh, conversation as well. With it leads to a different aspect where uh, guests now really wanted to see how the farm looks like, and yeah. this is another aspect that uh, make us the experience the unique as well. So again, it's somehow it's a win-win situation where yeah, people still enjoy it. People are asking a lot of questions, and most of them else as well is asking. Can we buy it in retail portion, which mm, is, yeah. I would love to do so, but right now it's only intended for the operation for the property. Yeah. We're, we've held off on communicating a little bit on our on our product for two reasons. So, A, we're, we're about to open our newest restaurant, The Farm, of course, mm-hmm. which is opening, uh, say, mid-April at this point. Um, and the majority of the products will actually go to that restaurant. So... What we've this is sort of the lead up towards the opening of the restaurant. So we've been yeah. we've been introducing the um, the product in the different outlets, but we weren't able to say that it was a hundred percent all the time always grown in the farm. Yeah. So we want to be quite authentic and and real in what we do. So we said we're not going to uh, say on a menu that it's locally grown until we can guarantee that it's a hundred percent. So at the farm restaurant, all of these lettuces that we'll be serving will all 100% come from the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a next step, actually, which is um, the next phase of our project to bring in an additional container uh, to be able to further supply the resort. Because we we realized we were able to um, supply about 40% of the resort's uh, need for leafy greens wow. uh, consistently with this one container. Yeah. Now, that's before the new restaurant opens, so we do anticipate that we would need another farm Mm -hmm. to sort of go towards 100% or very, very close to 100% um, uh, with specifically the crops that we we choose to grow in there. So uh, it will never be everything, of course, but the majority of our leafy greens and our herbs and our microgreens. Um, and, And one other thing I also wanted to add on the sustainability of it, which also goes into why it's also economically viable for us is that when we import our goods um you know it already has so many miles on it so right by the time you get your lettuce there i mean our waste is up to 40 50 percent sometimes sure. on, a, on a case of lettuce oh, or wow. you know even even worse on actually herbs because yes. they're they're more delicate right. same for yeah. microgreens. so we, we're killing all that because we're taking away the transport completely we're taking it from the farm straight to the restaurant to your plate um, so waste is, I mean, I won't say it's zero, but it's, it's very close too. Yeah. That's um, right. and that's also what makes it economically viable because you're, you know, yes, the startup cost initially is high, but we, uh, we think based on the numbers we've run so far, we can probably have a full payback of the system in about three to four years. Wow. That's amazing. Very cool. Yeah. So it seems like you guys are leading the way with this in your area. And I'm just curious. I mean, since you guys are still like focusing on getting it up and running for yourselves and and, and to supply yourselves, have you been approached by anyone else and, you know, by colleagues around the island that know what you're up to, like with questions? Like, do you see like you guys potentially leading a change for other operators on the island or becoming kind of like a, a, a leader in this field? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I would say, I mean, we've done many, many tours uh, already because once you tell somebody about it, they want to see it. And I think that's also key because, you know, we can um, we can talk all day. But if you see it, that really makes the biggest impact um, how it kind of works. So we've been doing lots of tours. We've we've done it with government um, officials, you know, in both the tourism field, but also in agriculture. 
They're great supporters of what we're doing. They're, they're really big fans of, of all of that. Um, you know, we've had questions from colleagues, like saying they wanted to buy from us. Obviously, we're not in a position to do that yet. Um, so, but we are looking at opportunities to potentially expand this even on a, on a larger scale because there's definitely a need for it. I mean, um, most Caribbean islands are actually very food insecure and we are no exception to that. Um, you know, if, if anything were to happen um, in the U.S. or the ports closed or anything like that, like we're, we're done. We're sitting, on, we're sitting on a week supply at any given time. Effectively, right. wow. the ports stop coming. We don't have any supply. Um, so, you know, and this is a very small, um, uh, part of it, of course, but I think you have to start somewhere. And I think this is a, a great initiative for the islands because it's, um, you know, proven to work in our climate because it's mm -hmm. contained. Um, it's not going to be affected by hurricanes, which is really important because that wipes out a lot of, um, the other agricultural investments. Um, and it's achievable for anyone. I mean, if we can do this, you yeah. know, anyone who's a bit savvy, can you know can put together yeah. the capital because say I'm going to buy one of these containers, bring it here, and I'm going to start growing and selling produce. So we definitely see it as a little bit of a incubator or even a Kickstarter where you know we're hoping that others will join in the movement. We're already seeing yeah that's some all, rumors yeah. here or there that people are um, trying to get into that as well. So mm -hmm. we're um, yeah we're hoping to be uh, impactful in that way as well, um, and to involve students from the schools to bring them down and you know show them this system and um, yeah, just create some awareness of what, what's possible. Remember last year, I also showed it to the little chef uh, because every year I, we host a little chef program, which oh. is a summer comp for, for, for young students here as well. So again, I, uh, we introduced it to them as well. And again, by the word of mouth, uh, hopefully that this year, the little chef program also will take part on, on, the, on the program. So, wow! Yeah, yeah. New generation. Yeah, for sure. Learning at all ages. Start yeah. them off. Start them off young yeah. as possible. I love that. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like this has had a bigger impact than you even thought. It started as just a small thing. It's gone to your resort. Now you're talking about showing tourism and government and other people. How do you think this is going to affect the industry, or how has it affected your ways that you think about sustainability in the restaurant industry, even beyond food? I'm thinking of like other ways that you run that the resort is run or if there's anything else that you're seeing that has kind of changed your thoughts on that sure well in the resort we've we've already done quite a few other initiatives and a lot of these were actually um even before uh the farm came online because it's definitely a big topic i would say in the entire hospitality industry here we're very aware you know the, the slogan for turks and caicos is beautiful by nature mm -hmm. so we are very aware that our product is this the islands right right um so if we if we impact that negatively through our um you know our our footprint and and our the economic activity what we do here on the island then we need to look at ways of sort of um, offsetting that so some of the initiatives that we do we did we did away completely with uh, plastic water bottles um so we introduced filling stations all around the property instead um, every guest that checks in gets a um, glass water bottle, which we fill daily for the bedside. And then there's also a metal uh, water bottle, which they can then uh, carry around with them on the property. So they can take it down to the beach, refill oh, the water whenever they need that. to. That's, that's a great idea. I do too. 
Yeah, God, there's so much and waste course, when it comes to the that. I feel whenever you go to yeah. one of these warmer resort climates. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and the other thing, it's a nice keepsake. You know, most people end up yeah. uh, taking keeping the metal bottles yeah. and taking it with them. So it's a nice little memento. So that's one thing that's had a, a really large impact because all those plastic bottles definitely um, add up when you look at the amounts we were purchasing. Um, uh, there's a few other initi initiatives. You know, of uh, course, we're, we're looking at... Uh, Purchasing locally, uh, mm -hmm. which has a big impact, particularly with the um, uh, fishermen. Some of the fishermen as well here is uh, bringing items that uh, we only use them exclusively for the tasting room. So the tasting room we have in Seven is somehow uh, getting the 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 most um, I should say uh, reliable sources of proteins, such as our own our own snapper. Sometimes they bring me some hogfish as well. Sometimes they bring me some wahoo. Sometimes they, again, it depends on how harvest they are. But these are the items that we normally use and present it to the tasting room. And of course, the leftovers like the grouper and snapper, it goes to our own uh, three restaurant menus as well. So keeping uh, uh, another part of the sustainability that we have is, as I mentioned, the styrofoam boxes. Of course, some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, frozen fruits, uh, frozen uh, seafood that I buy from the U.S. It comes in a styro where, again, if you accumulated that, if you get delivery four times a week, you get at least twelve uh, styro boxes every week. So if you pile that one up, that's a lot. If if you look at monthly, so I use them to be as my planting vessels as well, all over uh, on the rooftop garden. So that is also a uh, one part that uh, I, I am really proud of, of being part of the sustainability. That's awesome. Love that. Yeah, and generally packaging. Yeah. I mean, we've gone to all you know all paper packaging. That's pretty standard these days. Yes, yeah. yeah. All of the uh, straws. Um, we we were on paper for a long time, but the, I mean, I know why we went to paper straws, but they're they're pretty awful. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of get soggy so quickly. I feel like so bamboo uh, straws are making making a comeback right now. They hold up a little bit long, longer. Right. Mm. So we've actually found, so this is like a straw, which is still made. It's a bioplastic, mm -hmm. okay. which um, degrades in uh, salt water or landfill in, I believe it was 90 days, if I'm not mistaken. That was oh, the okay. 60 days. That's the compostable uh, tools that we use in the canteen as well. Right, so yeah. we, we've gone to that, you know, a lot of um, uh, bamboo, like bamboo, bamboo plates, plates and bamboo spoons yeah. and forks as well. Yeah, so we've, um, you know, a lot of the traditional switches, which I think, you know, the majority of um, sustainable properties are moving towards all the plastic bags that's been banned for a little while now in the islands, which is good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say those are more the, the, the more standard sustainable practices, you know. Um, leave your bed linen an extra day on or mm -hmm. don't wash your towels every day. You know, that's that's an option we offer to our guests as well. Right. Um, so all those practices are, are available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do a little part of composting as well. So that is part of our uh, practices as well. Because normally uh, every day we crack at least 900 eggs every day, more than that. So all the Big eggshells breakfast. being... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> all the all the uh, all the fruit peels, all, all the trimmings of the vegetables are being uh, grounded to my compost as well. So that is something that we. Oh, that's awesome! Really, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good. Yeah, and as it's well. so nutrient dense when you do it that way. That's mm -hmm. awesome. 
So I want to pivot here and talk a little bit about staffing because I know that it's been a challenge and we've talked about so much on this show last season. This was a huge focus for us as well. Um, what's it like for staffing for you guys right now in the area and how has that been for you in t- any turnover or team building? Are they excited to participate in this? How t- Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, you want to kick that one off, Robin? It's a little bit... <laughs> we, staffing is tough. Staffing yeah. is tough. Yeah. Especially in the kitchen. Yeah. So basically okay. right now, uh, most of our uh, international staff are being... Uh, uh, we source internationally, but again, with so many uh, uh, legal documentations or, yeah. or the, the process, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, we uh, we depends uh, we depend also on the local. But again, as Robin says, that uh, the the island is growing and a lot of options as well for you to choose wherever you go into independent restaurant or you go mm-hmm. to to a hotel. So again, it's a lot of divisions when it comes to local employment too. So that's a little bit of a uh, uh, it's a very challenging topic, I would say, yeah. and. Again, right like right right now, it's just simply looking at your one of my kitchen staff is looking at least twelve to fifteen hours a day. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah. I feel like we could do a whole episode on this topic. So I, yeah. I, it was a bit of a load. It was a big question to ask you. So don't don't worry. <laughs> well, I just want to add to that. If you if you look at the demographics, so we have about forty thousand uh, people in population in Turks and Caicos. So we're very small. Um, so we always hire locally first, you know, that is our yeah. policy, uh, as a resort, we employ, uh, we're currently at about 75%, uh, locally employed, 25%, uh, would be, um, expatriate staff mm-hmm. from many different countries. Uh, and a lot of the expatriate staff is actually in fields, which are, uh, more skilled labor, like, um, chefs, um, you know, maintenance, maintenance. engineering, those type mm-hmm. of things. Because uh, there's there's very much a skill shortage on the island as well. So yeah. front of house, we are quite lucky. We can we can easily hire almost all of our needs locally, which is great. Yeah. And then um, you know the way it works, you you just hire people as young as you can, effectively, and train them um, straight out of school. And we and we train them from scratch on our standards, which mm-hmm. is something we're um, we've become very good in. We have a great training program. Uh, we bring in trainers from internationally as well. To assist us with this so we, we've set a really high standard for that um we're also very good at um keeping staff with us so our turnover is actually relatively low um but that doesn't i would say our, our the majority of challenges i would say right now are definitely in culinary uh, and it's it's not even um getting them here because that's all very possible uh, but it's just finding the right people like there's yeah. such a yeah i feel like it's a global shortage <laughs> it's a universal problem yeah. We hire from everywhere, right? We're, we're not right. picky. It doesn't really matter. We have right. a lot of people from India, Sri Lanka, the Philippines, mm-hmm. Pakistan, um, everywhere. Yeah. So, but yeah, just getting people, um, and then also locally getting people interested to um, uh, further their skills in these more skilled jobs is another uh, is another challenge um, because definitely hospitality, even though it's the main driver of our economy in Turks and Caicos. Um, I would say that it's not it's not something a lot of people locally tend to choose necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're being a bit of a driver for change here again because we've been really successful with people that 
you know, we, we have a number of our managers which joined us in various capacities years ago and have just grown through the ranks. And actually, um, yeah, half of my managers on my team right now are all um, guys and girls that literally started as, um, you know, kitchen, kitchen porters, yeah. hostesses, yes. and have grown through the ranks and are now managers of outlets. And it's, yeah. it's really great. Wow. But yeah. it's, uh, it takes a lot of time, right? Of course, um, yeah. So it doesn't, ha doesn't happen overnight. Totally. Um, no, I'm glad. It seems like you guys are, are really thinking ahead. So we always kind of tie up the conversation by asking people who come on the show what they are most excited about for the hospitality industry. I mean, this this specifically applies to your program and what you guys are doing, but also like clearly you guys are thinking bigger picture about the future of your destination, about the future of your business. And I was just curious what what you're most optimistic about and what you're most excited about for the future of, uh, of the restaurant and hospitality industry. So I think um, particularly, I mean, sustainability obviously is just huge uh, for us. It's It's been a very big focus. Um, and also, I mean, A, we are passionate about it, which is important. Um, but we also notice that it's it's a demand from our guests, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really cool to see that um, our, our jobs and our choices are very much impacted by the choices that our guests make and by uh, what the guests um, shares back with us. So, you know, sometimes we think, well, what I do for myself is a very small choice and doesn't have an impact widely. But when you really think about that, I think, and particularly in hospitality right now, um, there's a lot of competition. And if you're, you know, if you're not setting yourself apart and, and taking a stance in these topics, I think you're missing the boat. Um, so I think that's, that's going to be really instrumental. You know, uh, guests are incredibly vocal which can be really challenging at times as well. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're willing to listen uh, to the guests, I think there's a ton of value in there. Mm -hmm. And definitely one of them is like, you have, to, you have to look at your supply and where your goods are coming from and just saying, uh, well, I just get it from my suppliers. <laughs> it's not really acceptable. Like you need to take an interest in where your product comes from and you know, what is the sort of the, the road that your product took to get there. Mm -hmm. and, um, are you able to make an impact, even if it's at a higher cost point? Um, and obviously that cost gets passed on as well. But we can just tell that our guests are very much in support of these type of initiatives. And when you show them, you know, the farm, what we're doing on property, like people are really blown away. Uh, and I think that was, that was one of the things that I've learned from this project because I was, I was hesitant at first because, like I said before, we're not, we're not farmers. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, we're, we're really kind of straying from our core a little bit, like I said, smart. But now that we've, we've actually done and executed it, I'm really happy for it because um, it's just taught us so much. And we can see the impact it has on our, our guests and our staff, for that matter, mm. because they're very passionate about it as well. Yeah, speaking of being passionate and what we do, uh, dedication also is a key, a key part, a key role that you need to take in part, to be in part on to the other people as well like uh, getting staff to train to be uh, looking forward to a sustainable way in terms to keeping our farm into a way where, oh, I'm going to teach you today. I will evaluate you tomorrow. I will retrain you again. And then again, it's a continuous process and that requires a lot of dedication. It requires a lot of passion and it requires a lot of communicating. Why are we doing this? You need to continue doing that in order for them to have stuck it into their uh, understanding and 
they will be able to execute within themselves as well. Like uh, me training staff to to make or plant a, a papaya seed or some something that it needs to be, it, they can grow it in their own backyard as well. Like exam, one example for me is Bertoni. I teach him how to uh, duplicate or how should they say, uh, craft, craft uh, a mint coming out from a grocery bag of mint that you can grow it from your house as well. So sim simple things like giving them the value, giving them the time and giving them the effort to, to, to be with them and say something to them that this is our way to go in keeping uh, the in keeping our lifestyle or, or keeping our, our our how should they say the whole picture of sustainable i mean that's great I, f I hope that everybody tries to, or at least considers embracing some of these ideas because i feel like the ideas that you have are creative and even if one doesn't work for one resort there could be something else you're doing that someone else takes away from this so i feel like all the advice that you gave was so well-rounded today and um i thought it was great so i'm i'm super excited with what you're with what you're doing and I feel like we now need to do a So You Want to Run a Restaurant team building activity or team trip to Turks and Caicos yeah. to go and see. Yeah, yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> Live podcast from yes, the resort. From the beach, yes. <laughs> On top, like from it. the farm. <laughs> let's do it. Amazing. All right. So before you guys go, we do something at the end here called the tasting menu. It's just three quick questions. First thing that comes to your mind. Mm -hmm. First question is, what's your favorite vegetable? Rhubarb. Rhubarb. Good answer. <laughs> what about that you, Robin? <laughs> um, broccolini. Really random. But no, that's no, not that's random. All that seems to be cooking these days, particularly for my daughter. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Broccolini's I like that with a little butter garlic, a little a little yeah. lemon. Oh, heck yeah. 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 Well, broccolini, broccolini will be part of my menu as well at the farm. But it comes oh, yeah. in a different, like to hear that. different content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, okay. Favorite country to eat in? Italy. That's a good answer. I yeah. like I like the way the simplicity of it. I like mm -hmm. the way how how people treat a simple ingredients and you know keeping the natural flavors and keeping the natural essence of like a tomato. Keeping the natural tomato into a dish, it really yeah. blows me away. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say France. Mm -hmm. Another another all-star culinary gem. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Okay, best food to eat at the beach. Last one. Eat at the beach. Ah, uh, the deck. No, what, no, what type food. of food? Oh, best food. Oh, let, let's say conk, uh, conk fritters on mm. the deck. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. How about you, Rob? I would go for a nice uh, summer roll. Summer roll? That's summer both? Roll. Oh, my God, now I'm hungry. Well, I know, right? Now I'm like, now I've got like visions of the yeah. beach, summer rolls. I've got my, like my Corona or what, or like a local beer in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much Wolf, for joining us today. This has been an awesome conversation and I really look forward to seeing how this grows and, and how this evolves. Yes, Robin, awesome. Robin and Chef Edwin, thank you so much for talking with us today. This was great. And I really, really hope that we can have an even longer conversation in person on the beach someday soon. Yeah. So. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having us and letting us share a little bit about um, our project. Absolutely. Come visit the farm. <laughs> yes. I know, right? <laughs> Want to hear more? 
then you need to head to backofhouse.io, where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, and interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for our free newsletter, Back of House News. Our team of reporters cuts through the noise and gives you the headlines that you really need to see each and every week. This is honestly one of the best weekly newsletters I've ever read, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore news and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms. No!